0: Hey, this is Pastor Chris Jane, and I want to thank you for listening to the Hope Church Sermon of the Week. For more information, check out our website, brhope.church. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Enjoy. Um, I'm just glad to see you all, and if if you're new to Hope Church or you're newer, welcome. We love you. Um, Anyone watching online, we're so glad that you're tuning in. We, as a church, have been going through the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel according to Mark, and we've been doing it verse by verse, haven't we? We're not just jumping around. We are intentionally looking in context at everything that that this Gospel, this good news, has to, to share with us. And we know that the Gospel of Mark was written to an oral culture. It was written to a people where maybe 3 to 5% could actually read. So this, the gospel story of Mark was told as a story. It was meant to be told from, from verse 1 all the way to end of chapter 16. That's how they would have done it. And, and uh, because it was meant to be told as a story, it's like a lot of the movies I like. It's action-packed. It's... it's uh, He uses that word immediately 42 times. It's, you know, he keeps jumping from episode to episode. And as he jumps from episode to story, he's constantly answering this question, who is Jesus? He even starts in verse 1 of chapter 1 by saying, this is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's son. Then through the whole book, all 16 chapters of the gospel according to Mark, he keeps pointing to who Jesus is, and he's gonna do the same thing today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter six. We're gonna be starting in verse 30, and let's pray. Dear Father, we love you so much. I just pray that you would stretch out your hand to this place this morning. Tune our hearts to hear the truth in your word. Father, I pray you would stretch out your hand to everyone in this place, everyone who's watching online who will hear this message that is hurting. You know far more than I do what the needs are that are in this place. And I pray that you would would meet each and every need. Every every person that is hurting would get get a healing. Everyone who needs a multiplication would get it. I just pray that when, when the people in this room reach out for you, it would be a divine possibility that anything is possible when we give what little bit we have to you. And so, Father, I just thank you that you are, as, as Psalms 23 tells us, our good shepherd and that we will lack and want for nothing. Amen. 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 I always feel like if, you, if I start with prayer, even if it's terrible, at least we prayed first, right? <laughs> Today we're actually going to talk about one of, we're getting to some good stuff here. And today we're talking about one of the most common stories, I think. It's the only miracle, interestingly enough, that is shared by all four Gospels. It's where Jesus feeds thousands of people miraculously. And I know that you're all familiar with it, um, with the the story of feeding the 5,000. But right in the middle of it, we see this this. Invitation. Jesus says to Philip, why don't you feed them? And I think we're going to see today that the Lord wants you to feed somebody, wants you to meet somebody's need. The Lord's inviting us to be part of a solution. Have you heard every, anyone say, well, that's not my problem? I mean, surely you've never said that. <laughs> we're going to find out that other people's problems actually become the disciples' opportunities. And as as we're pushing forward in the book of Mark, we're in chapter 6 now, but as we get into chapter 8 and Jesus begins his journey towards the cross, we see this shift, this very intentional shift towards discipleship where Jesus starts to teach them what it means to be a follower of Christ. And being a follower of Jesus, we know this, it means meeting someone else's needs doesn't it it means serving others that's that's part of it we know that everyone everyone in the body has a gift right we know that every member is a minister right we know that 1 Corinthians twelve seven says that uh, you've been given a spiritual gift to help somebody else right you know, Ephesians 2:10 says, "You're a workmanship. You're God's workmanship in the making. You're a masterpiece in the making, right? Because God has something important for you to do. And what you were called to do and what God has called me to do is, is very much wrapped up in meeting someone else's needs. That's what we're going to learn in Mark chapter six, starting in verse 30 says the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. we got to back up a minute. Where are they coming back from? we got to back all the way up to verse 12 where he actually sent them out, right? It, he said, they, so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So they can't, now, you know, then we were interrupted by the story of Herod's party and the death of John the Baptist. And now here the disciples are coming back to share with Jesus all they had done and taught. All that they had done and taught. This word done in the Greek, it means to make. To make something like an artist make something. They're making things happen. You know what, what kind of things? Well, we know they were casting out demons, they were healing many people. They were anointing people with oil. And I, I kind of picture them like, like kids, like children. Um, you guys remember when your kids were little and they'd bring you something that they made. Right? And how proud they are. Look, look what I made. You know, when Noble uh, makes something and, and shows it to me. It's beautiful, isn't it? Because he made it. You know what I mean? And it's got his Scribbles on it and whatever, and and uh, it's beautiful because he made it and I love it. <laughs> and so I picture them coming to Jesus. Look at look at what we did, you know. Look at what we made. And and they, and it says that he taught. What did they? What were they teaching? They were teaching about the kingdom. They were teaching the same things that Jesus was teaching that uh, the kingdom is here repent and believe now is the time don't wait now is your time to repent and believe there's a king not this fake king Herod or even or even Rome there is a real king who created everything and the time is now every knee will bow every tongue will confess that's the kind of stuff they're they're teaching and it goes on in verse 31 The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. Here's verse 31. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by a boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Every miracle that we see Jesus do in this miracle today, the feeding of thousands of people. Every miracle we see him do, it's like a sign pointing to something. Okay, it's a sign that points to an invitation. So we've got to ask ourselves, what is is God inviting me to do here? And and we, we see this, that God invites you to rest. And believe me, I'm preaching to myself this morning. How many of you know people that just go and go and go don't have time to eat, don't have time to, to do anything. We say that they're wound too tight. right? You know these people. It's, it's not healthy. It's like if a, a guitar string that's wound too tight, what happens? Ping. You know, God made us to rest. And, and believe me, I, I'm guilty of that, of just go, 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 go. And last week, actually, I had to force myself to slow down. I, I, normally, I work every day and maybe once in a while there's just a day that just by chance I don't have any appointments but even then usually I'm working I'm catching up on paperwork I'm doing things and and trying to cram in time to, to study and prepare uh, uh, you know to speak to you guys on Sundays and last week I felt so run down and so exhausted that I really thought I was coming down with something like uh oh if you don't take a break you're gonna have to take a break you know what I mean and so, uh, yet last Sunday after, um, after I spent time with you guys, I did nothing. Amen. And it was absolutely everything I thought it could be. <laughs> it was wonderful. And by Monday, I felt so good. felt like I'd had, uh, you know, a whole weekend off. But uh, unfortunately, that's not going to be the case today. After this, I've got to go show houses. But, but you know, uh, it says that the disciples were you know, were going and going and going. They didn't even have time to eat. And so Jesus, being a good shepherd, he, knowing that, that they needed rest, he invites them to come away and rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you more to do. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I'll give you rest. God designed us to to have rest. And it's... It's a shame when, you know, when people are that driven and they are, they want to do the very best. And so it's like, I'm not going to stop till I drop. Oh, that's a bad idea. That's such a shame. You're too good to go out like that. So again, I'm preaching to myself as much as you, but take time to rest. You were created to rest, all right? I give you all permission. Take some time and rest, even more than food. You know, rest is pretty important. All right, so... uh, it gives me a picture when, when we were kids, my folks took us to the dunes, and I don't know if it was sleeping bear or just somewhere and we were way the parking lot was way up on a hill and the dune ran down to the water. We all thought, let's run down it. And you know, my older brothers were quite a bit taller than us, but Gabe and I, we were little guys with little legs. And you know this, you know what happens, right? You start running down the dune in there, at first we're all smiles, and then all of a sudden you realize, uh oh, you know, my little legs are not keeping up. <laughs> I'm going to crash and burn. And that's what happened, and then you tumble down the rest of the dune. You know. I don't want the, the life equivalent of that happening to you guys, so take some time to rest. Slow down, beloved. But here's what happened it goes on in 33 it says, But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran along the shore and got there ahead of them. I mean, can you imagine this? I mean, the the Sea of Galilee is only like six miles wide. So, you know, they kind of see, oh, they're they're heading there. Let's go. It would be like if after service, I'm like, gang, let's go for a run today. And you're like, yeah. Like, let's just run through downtown Big Rapids. I mean, people would be like, where are you guys going? What are you doing? Where are you going? Jesus is, he's right up here. Jesus is here. They'd be like, oh, I'm coming too. And this is what happened. This crowd begins to grow. And remember why they were in the boat to begin with to get away, to get some rest. But here comes this growing crowd of people chasing after them. Jesus, it says in verse 34, saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. It's like Forrest Gump, you know, running from town to town. Do you remember? And like, I just like running. And so then there's one guy running with him and then more and more. And then it's this massive thing that just happens. Jesus, he sees this crowd and what does he do? He runs away, right? Right. He gets back in the boat, sails away. No, it says he had compassion on them. He saw them, he saw these sheep without a shepherd and he was moved, it says, with compassion. God doesn't, I think this is important, God doesn't look at you as an interruption. God sees you and he is moved to act on your behalf. When's the last time that you felt moved to to act on someone else's behalf? See, this is very different than pity, right? Pity is, ooh, that sucks. I feel bad for you. I'm sorry you're going through this. I hope you figure it out. Like, I hope everything goes well for you. That's pity. Compassion has action involved in it. Compassion means to suffer with, to have your stomach twisted for people. This is God's heart towards you. I want you to see this today, the picture of the prodigal son. You, you know the story. He did everything wrong. He, he wanted his inheritance early. He wanted to do everything his way. He left he didn't, he didn't stick around to help. He didn't, uh, wasn't part of the family. He wanted to just go. He was completely selfish, wanted to go do his own thing. And what happens? He, it doesn't go well for him. And before long, he's burned every bridge, burned up all the resources, and he's eating with the pigs. And then it says, he, come, he came to his senses. Sometimes that's all it takes. There, he, it's not like he came back and, was, and paid his dad back and like made it right and he, he couldn't do any of those things but sometimes just turning away turning back is all it takes that's, that's, all, that's our part of it and then what does it say the father does he, saw, he sees him coming and he runs to him he falls on his neck kisses him he doesn't say see what happened see what became of all your big schemes Of course you were eating with the pigs. You know, he doesn't say any of that. He runs to him, falls on him, kisses him. On, On who? Not the son that stayed and did everything right. On the son who did everything wrong. This is God's heart towards me and towards you. You know, Mark has a lot less actual teachings in it. Some of the other Gospels have a lot more instances of, of Jesus actually teaching. Mark only has a couple, but he refers to Jesus teaching people a lot. And, you know, that saying, like, man shall not live on bread alone, Jim Rohn had a saying that um, you can live without food but not without words. That as people we, we, you know, we can go without a meal but, uh, but we need to be fed with, with words. And, and so he knows that's important and, and so that's, that's how he treats the people. So it says, late in the afternoon his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. He said, with what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money. It's sarcasm. It's being sarcastic. Like, what, are you nuts? It's amazing. He, they've just been out doing miracles. Amazing things. You know, healing sick Bodies, casting out demons. And Jesus gives them this little opportunity to have faith. And they blow it. He says, uh, how much bread do you have? He said, go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And, you know, if, if, you, read, if you read John 6, uh, we know that he's actually speaking to Philip here. And it also tells us that Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He knew that he was going to feed everybody. He knew that he was going to take care of everything, but he invited the disciples to be be part of meeting someone else's needs. Right? He was testing them. Again, we don't say, hey, that's your problem. We didn't ask you to come out here all this way or chase us. God invites us to feed people. He invites us to rest, but he also invites us to meet meet someone else's needs. I mean, he can do it without you. But this is the beautiful part about this story and about the stories throughout the Bible. God knew he was going to deliver Israel out of Egypt, but he invited Moses to be a part of it, right? He knew he was going to deliver mankind from the flood, but he invited Moses Noah to build a boat. He could have said, let there be boat. Right? And there would be boat. But over and over again we see that he he wants us to be part of meeting someone's need. He wants to invite us to be part of what he's doing. It's so beautiful. Every day God's inviting you to feed somebody. And what a different response the disciples have. They say, send this crowd away. And that word crowd, it's like rabble. Send this rabble away. We'll never be able to minister God's love if we look at people that way. Hmm. If we see people as just part of a crowd. That's never how how Jesus does things. Doesn't he always find the one? He always cuts right to the one who needs him. I mean, it's never the crowd. But that's how the, the disciples are acting. But Jesus invites us to be part of meeting people's needs because we know every member is a ministry. He says, you feed them, you meet their needs, you take care of them. Until you begin to see people the way he sees them, you'll never express the depths of God's love. How does God see them with compassion? He's moved with compassion that moves them to do something for somebody. You know, there's 3,000 kids in the state of Michigan in foster care, 13,000 kids in the state in, in the foster care system, 3,000 without a home, without a placement or who need to be adopted. And the state has actually come to the church for help they actually came to our parent church, Mount Hope, and had a meeting and said, we need, we need the church's help with this, with this problem that we have. And in reality, it's not even the state's problem. It's the church's opportunity, right? We, we don't say, oh, I hope the state figures this out. I hope the state does You know, I hope people do this. no. I hope we do this, we get to do this, because we know that the heart of God is always for the widows and orphans, right? His heart, his nature is always for the defenseless, to defend those who can't defend themselves. We get to do this, so it's not even the state's problem. It's our opportunity. We don't get to say, well, I hope they do that. It's no, I hope we do that. Before we uh, got licensed to do foster care, I was looking at these numbers, and I thought, boy, I wonder if, you know, 13,000 kids in our state alone, I wonder if every church in the state had one family who would take one kid. Could we knock it out? No. It would only take half of the churches in the state to have one family, take one kid and we the problem would be over like that. I think God's inviting us to be part of someone else's miracle. Every day we get the opportunity to be a conduit of God's love to the people around us. The people who interrupt us. Yeah, right? The people we don't know. God's helping me to grow in compassion with this as well. One of my pet peeves is like at, when we're at the restaurant and the manager, if anybody manages a restaurant, um, we love you, and I'm sure you're awesome and the best. But, uh, you know, we always go out of our way to love on the waiters and the waitresses and, that, you know, and take time for them and, and talk with them. But it always feels to me very disingenuous when the manager comes up, right, and interrupts your meal to f- ask how it's going. And, uh, you know, because it's like, well, if there was a problem, I would have just told the person who was just here. You know what I mean? You're just doing your job. I get that. But it always, you know, it's always been something that, uh, that, that bugs me a little bit. But when people interrupt us, you know, we can look at that as an opportunity. I was, um, and I'm going to do better. Today, after church, when we're having lunch, and that manager comes up, I'm going to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to take a, a minute to listen and to, to see if, there's, if, if God's inviting me uh, to, to, um, to love on, on somebody else, to do something for somebody else, to meet someone else's need. I was, um, um, went to look at a house one time for an elderly couple and you know, you sit and you talk with them about their needs and you know what they'd like to see happen and how you can help them and um, before long, she started telling me how she needed a knee replacement. You know I went there to look at a house I end up looking for a knee, you know, and so I pray for her. and i don't I don't have a knee, but I know the manufacturer right I know the one who makes the knees <laughs> I think that's uh that's part of this thing of, of God just every day, every day, every day giving us an opportunity to be a part of, of what he wants to do. He, he, he could do it without us, but he wants us to be, to be part of it. That's part of that whole growing in the kingdom thing, you know. Sometimes people's needs are obvious. Sometimes you've got to dig a little bit. I mean, in this situation, there's says there's 5,000 men and their families. There's probably like 20,000 people here. They're all hungry. Their stomachs are ground. It's probably pretty obvious that this is a hungry crowd. But Philip, he says, it can't be done. I mean, this guy's just been doing miracles. Now he's already not believing what's going to happen. So, So what happens? One little boy, we find out from from um, some of the other Gospels, that they ended up finding five loaves and two fish. And we find out that it was a little boy who gave his lunch. And these aren't loaves like a loaf of bread that we get. These are just little pieces of pita bread, right? This is like a, a snack lunch. Five little pieces of bread, two pickled fish. That's all they found. And, and it says they all ate as much as they wanted. <laughs> it's like Thanksgiving. It doesn't just say they ate as much as they wanted. It actually means they, like they were gorged. They were stuffed with food. God takes this a little bit. I wonder why only one person in that crowd of 20,000 gave. I wonder if it's uh, this whole mentality of, well, I, that's mine. I don't want to give what I have. Then what will, you know, I won't have anything. That's not how it works in the kingdom. is that We learn in the kingdom, as we, as we grow in the kingdom and we, and we mature, we learn this word steward, right? We learn that our stuff isn't even our stuff. It's all God's stuff. Everything is from him. Everything belongs to him. And as we steward what he's given us, as we give it away, as we manage it properly and we, and we, and we give of it, he multiplies it back to us, doesn't he? You might think you don't have anything to give it. It's not true. You can, you can make a big difference in somebody else's life with just little things, a smile, a little kindness. Jesus is trying to get them to realize that in the kingdom, a little is more than enough. Here's what it says. It says, Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. And I can just picture him as he breaks this bread, he probably prayed that that Jewish blessing over meals: "Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the Universe, who brings forth bread from the earth." But this uh, miracle—it didn't happen until two things took place: the giving and the obedience. Right? The the bread and fish weren't multiplied when the little boy gave it; it wasn't even multiplied. When Jesus broke it. You know, it's as the disciples began to hand it out that it just it doesn't end and it doesn't end and it doesn't end. First the boy had to give his lunch. You know, and if you'll give a little bit of kindness, if you'll give a little bit of compassion, if you'll give a little bit of listening, if you'll give a little bit of hope to somebody, if you'll give a little bit of good news, if you'll give a little bit of money, whatever it is, if you give your little bit to help somebody else, I'm telling you, God will take your little bit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, again, everybody's been given a spiritual gift to help somebody. So even if you can say, hey, my gift is small, just put it into the hands of God and watch what he'll do with it. Watch what he'll do with what you think is so little. We just have to be willing to give. Give our time, our stuff. This is what we get to do every Sunday when we bring the the tithes and the offerings in. You don't know this, but through our connection with our parent church, we, we give to over 300 ministries in over 100 countries around the world. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's just numbers on a page, but these are real people around the earth that are being brought hope, that are being brought resources, that are being brought salvation. And we get to be a part of that, even if it's a small part, because we have a God that that does things so much bigger than we ever think He could. Sometimes all it takes is, even, even when your obedience seems small, you know, just a simple little act of obedience. I used to play music in the hospital. And I'd go from room to room and try to cheer people up. And I'd sing them a song. I would talk with them. And one day I was in a room, and I felt like the Lord said, maybe you should play her happy birthday. And I didn't know this woman, and I didn't, I didn't know what she was going through. But I just said, this might sound weird, but is it by any chance your birthday? And she just began to cry and weep and she ended up giving her life to the Lord right there in the room. She had been praying earlier that day, God, let me know that I'm not invisible. Let me know that life is worth keeping on. I didn't, I didn't do anything special. It's not like an angel appeared and said, sing her happy birthday. It was nothing like that. It was just this little thing. And I think if I wouldn't have listened, if I would have not said that. He'd use used somebody else. He'd invited someone else into that because he cares about that one. But if we're just willing to give our little bit, if we're willing to obey our little bit of obedience, Jesus started out this story with concern for his disciples because they hadn't even had time to have a meal. And look how it ends with 12 baskets of food. And these aren't wicker baskets or like clothes baskets or bushel ba- this is more like a little, a little sack lunch twelve baskets of leftovers, twelve little lunches for these disciples who didn't have the faith to believe that God could take care of everyone's needs even Judas got a basket Everybody got a little sack lunch of leftovers that day. And today, on the spot where they think that this took place, there's actually a church, and it's called the Church of the Multiplication. And that's what I want us to be. I want this to be a church of multiplication, amen? That where we have the faith to give and obey and and just trust God that that little bit will be more than enough to meet all of our needs. So just as he invited these sheep that needed a shepherd to enjoy a meal, we're going to enjoy a meal together now, the, the Lord's Supper. And so if I could get the ushers to, to pass out the elements. I wanted to end by just reading you uh, the 23rd Psalm that I sort of started with. I want to read it out of the Passion Translation says the lord is my best friend and my shepherd i always have more than enough he offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love his tracks take me to an oasis of peace the quiet brook of bliss that's where he restores and revives my life he opens before me pathways to god's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that i can bring honor to his name lord even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness Fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Amen. Okay, that's going to do it for this week. I really hope that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, why not subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. It really does help. Thanks, and have a blessed week.